This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. I would just like to welcome everyone that's just tuned in to Radio K Pulpit. This is Alana Willy for you. And you will be with me for the next hour with my program called Body Matters. I hope all you all had a wonderful holiday and that you're well rested. And I know many people are getting back to work and are just starting up this new year with a new beginning. And I really trust that God will bless you in this new year and that this will be a a year that you will, you know, seek God with all your heart and that God will just give you, you know, the desires of your heart. Um, today in my program, I don't really have a guest, but I just felt in my heart something that God was busy talking to me about during this holiday. And that is the topic of what is the motives of your heart. You know, we all going into the new year, um, we need to make decisions. We need to, um, you know, put our goals ahead. And I think it's important that we set goals for ourselves this year. And I think the big question that we need to ask ourselves is why do we want to do the things that we want to do? And that is why the topic for me, motivation, not just motivation, motive of your hearts, and also just to touch on the idols that we have in our lives, because sometimes we're not aware of things in our lives. And sometimes it's not just pursuing new goals, but it's also letting go of certain things. So I'm going to touch on this topic Um, as I said, motives of the heart. And before I touch on that topic, I just want to first give a little bit of a perception, my perception of the law versus mercy. And that mercy is when Christ came to die for our sins. And it's because of him that we are set free from the law. But before I can actually venture on this topic, I think it would be good just to touch on this topic. So I'm going to just jump into it. And um, so let's just look at the law in the Old Testament and just compare that to God's grace, what he did for us on the cross. So if we look back at the Old Testament, many people lived according to the law. That was the law that was given to Moses and also written in Exodus. And um, the law was called the Ten Commandments, and it was a set of rules given to Moses by God. And the law was given to distinguish, which I think is important between good and evil. And it was set as a guideline whereby the Israelites could measure sin. You know, if you don't have, um, you can't sin if you have nothing to measure sin by. And just like parents, they can't punish their children unless they set the foundation and rules. So God had to bring in the law in order for judgment to be established. If you look at Romans 5.13, it says, Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. And that is something to think about. See, God had to bring in um, some rules and guidelines in which to regulate the way we live. Otherwise, we wouldn't know the difference between good and evil. So during that time, the Holy Spirit never dwelled on the earth 
And it's during this time that God gave his spirit to the prophets, the kings, and the priests to represent God as his spokesperson on earth. So Moses was chosen as the prophet to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And during the 40 years in the wilderness, he was God's representative to his people. So the law was given to the Israelites, as I said, to guide them into a lifestyle that would be pleasing to God. This had the basic principles that would govern the Israelites, and they had to listen and obey the law. It was difficult to keep the law, as it was based on works only. So people could keep the law even though their intentions were not right. The law did not judge the people's intentions, attitudes, thoughts, or the motives of their hearts. So let me give you an example. For instance, you tell your child to clean up their room. But they may have a bad attitude towards you because they didn't really feel like cleaning their room. But at the end of the day, they clean the room, even though they were sulking, even though they put up a fight. But at the end of the day, they fulfilled the work or the task that was, that was assigned to them. But their thoughts and their heart's attitude while doing that task was not right. So the law justifies the work done. But God came to justify the heart's attitude in which it was done. I mean, if we look at the Pharisees that um, was also in the Old Testament, they were very legalistic and they were followers of the law of Moses. They knew the law very well and followed it, but they were rigid to the point of no compassion. They were judgmental towards others who did not keep the law. They abided in the law, but their hearts were far from God. And today, I think many of us call that a religious spirit. So the law was incomplete. I mean, you can't judge someone just on what they do. It had to be complete in the sense of heart's attitude. And so the Messiah came to complete the law. When Jesus died on the cross, the law was fulfilled by his grace and mercy. Another reason that God had to fulfill the law was that it was only applicable as long as you lived. It had no eternal value. I just want to read a scripture um, from Matthew five seventeen that says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So what Jesus was saying is that it's good for you to keep the law, the guidelines of what is right and wrong, but you will not be judged according to the law, which means that we no longer need to earn God's acceptance by works. And even on that topic, if you think of acceptance, you know, working for acceptance, let's focus on on the word righteousness. So before the law, we needed to work in order to be righteous, in other words, to be in right standing with God. But now, because of the cross, we only have to accept Jesus to be righteous. So when we commit our lives to the Lord, he will come and live in us, and he will make us willing and able to obey him. His spirit in us makes us righteous and acceptable to him. And just to touch on Romans 3.22, it says, Righteousness is given through faith 
in Christ Jesus to all that believe. So you can't obtain righteousness through anything else, but only through the Spirit of God. So without God's Spirit, no one is righteous, and righteousness cannot be obtained through good works. So on that note, and that is just to to summarize the difference between the law and the mercy and why God had to fulfill the law. But let's take a, a nice short music break. And after this, we will touch a little bit more on the motives of one's heart. Hi, this is Alana from Body Matters, and you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit. And I'm just busy chatting about motives of one's heart. And a little bit later, I'm also going to be chatting about what are the idols in your life. So let's touch on the subject of um, motives. I chatted a little bit about the law versus God's grace and God's mercy. And just to give you a little bit of, of background, why God had to fulfill the law, which ties into what I really want to chat about. So just to get back to what we were talking about. So because of Christ, because of what he has done on the cross, we are set free from the law. But now we fall under the grace and the mercy of God. It says in Ephesians 2.8, that says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. It is a gift from God. So it's no longer by works that we are acceptable to God or by keeping a law. But because of our love for Christ, we choose to do what is right and good. So it's now not because we must but because we want to. And that's the difference between the law and God's grace. In Proverbs 16, 12, it also says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives of his heart. So everything we do and every decision we make is backed up by a motive. As Christians, our acts may be good or even seem godly, but we will not be judged by our deeds, but by our motives for doing the deeds. You see, man can see our outer works, but God sees our inner motives. Man will judge us according to our actions, but God will judge us according to our heart. Um, the Lord is not interested. The Lord is interested in pure motives. And in Jeremiah 17.10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And in Matthew 5, 8, it also says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So it's got to do with the heart condition. God looks at the heart. It's so easy to hide sin in our heart, because no man can really see the motives of another man's sin. So sin first starts in the mind and then it manifests in the heart. Like in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 it says, God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Just to give you another example of in, in Matthew 5:28 it says but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart 
So here we can see that no sin has been committed physically, but it's the sin that manifests within our hearts that matters most to God. So what you so what you do is not important to God as why you are doing it. And this is the reason why God had to fulfill the law. And so in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven our demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then he says, and then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So what these people have claimed to have done seems very godly, but they never did it out of a relationship with the Lord. What they did was not wrong, but their reasons for doing it was not to honor God. So sometimes what we think is right is not always godly. Sometimes we can be so busy with the things of God, but we forget about the God. And it's so easy for us, even as Christians, to fall into deception. But we need to be aware of our motives and the condition of our hearts. Our actions will be based on the condition of our hearts. So whatever we do, it says, like in Luke 6 verse 45, it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we struggle with adultery, lust, or envy, bitterness, jealousy, or any other sin, that sin was first a thought. And when that thought takes root, it takes root in our heart. And every decision, every action, even our behavior is determined by our heart's, our heart's condition. So in Psalm 19 verse 12 it says, But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. And in this passage, it's just David. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in doing things and we don't really sit and think about them. Why are we doing this? You know, what are the reasons I am pursuing this thing? And sometimes without knowing, we sin, we 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 do things, and it's not really what God wants us to do. And so here King David says, he knew that there are many times that we sin without knowing it. Yet he calls on God and he says, forgive me for my unknown sin. So David also cried out to the Lord and said, Create in me a pure heart, O Lord, and a renewed and steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. So as I said, we need to become aware of why we do certain things. We need to evaluate our motives for everything that we do. If we want to determine if we are sinning or if we are out of alignment with God's will, we need to honestly sit back and ask the question, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And is it to impress other people? 
Is it for recognition? Is it because my identity is rooted in what I do? Is it for selfish gain? Whatever it is, we need to just be aware of why we do it. So in Colossians 3, 23 verse 24, it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord whom you serve. And I think that is such a powerful um, scripture because it really says if you're not doing it to please God, then you are doing it for man. Then you're already out of the alignment of God. And in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, The heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it really is. So anything that is not motivated, that you do, that's not motivated by a pure heart or love is not from God. What does the condition of your heart look like? So I want to leave you with that statement. What does the condition of your heart look like? If you could just sit a moment and just sit and, and think of the things that you're doing. It could be anything from running um, marathons to trying to lose weight to anything. If you sit and think, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because this is God's heart for me? And I'm not, don't get me wrong, God doesn't want us not to succeed or not want us to flourish in, in the things that he's given us. But God, it says, God will bless you. It says you're knowing that the Lord will, re that you will receive the reward of your inheritance if you're doing it unto the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever you tackle, do it as unto the Lord. Because when God is with you and he can help you, then you know you're on the right track. Sometimes we do things because out of hurt, out of things that people have said or done to us, or a motive or a goal that doesn't always line up with God's purpose or plan for our life. And we need to question that. You know, why do you want to go and work? Is it because you want to look successful? Um, or is it because you need to put food on the table? In every decision that you make, if you want to know what decision to make, you need to honestly ask yourself, why do I want to do this? Weigh up the motives of your heart. Question yourself. And when you come to the conclusion to the why, you will know whether it is in line with God's heart or not. So I just want to leave you with that before I um, talk about the subject of idols. So we're going to take a short break and then we will talk about the idols in our lives. I just want to welcome everyone that's tuned in. It's Alana with Body Matters and I have just been chatting about um, the motives of one's heart 
and just to evaluate one's motives in every decision that you make. I also want to um, touch now on a little bit of what are the idols in one's lives. And this is just to give you something to think about, especially going into the new year. And, um, you know, so many people say they want to tackle new projects and they want to set new goals for themselves. But sometimes there are also things that you need to let go of this year and evaluate, you know, the things that you're currently busy with. And sometimes things need to go and sometimes you need to pursue something new. So let's look at what are the idols in, in one's lives And so many of us have idols in our lives without even being aware of it. What is your idol? That's my question to you. What is your idol? Your idol may not be so easily identified because it's sometimes something that is so subtle and it is could be a state of mind. It could be thoughts that we choose to focus on. It could be the things that we spend the most time doing. And usually it's something that we place our identities in instead of God. So the one thing that the enemy wants to do is to steal our identity in Christ and our God-given purpose. You will distract us and keep us busy with worldly things that give us a false sense of identity. And that also just brings me to that scripture in Romans, which um, I don't have the whole scripture, but it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know his good, acceptable and perfect will for your life. So, we need to distinguish between what is part of the world and what is God's purpose. So anything that can consume us can become an idol. Some people are obsessed with being fit or eating healthy. Um, Some people have phobias for hygiene or, you know, keeping the house clean, whatever that may be. So when things are not maintained, people seem to fall apart or become an emotional wreck. These are dependency is is on something else other than God. So just to look at a few examples of what idols could be, and this is just to make you think, you know, sometimes we we chat about things just to make you think of where am I? What what is the thing that is consuming me right now? So our idols could be our children. Once again, there's nothing wrong with being a good parent, but when our lives are consumed and rooted in our children and their activities, that can become an idol in our lives. Um, There are many parents who want to live even their own fulfilled dreams through their children and who constantly pressure their children to perform or excel because their own identities and self-worth is dependent on their children's success. And many men and women also place their identity in their work situation, their profession. To work is not a sin, but again, the motivation for working hard or spending long hours working can become an idol. And your identity can be rooted in your success or your riches. And then one needs to start thinking about, as I came back to our previous talk about your, your motive, what is your driving force? What is driving you to do the things that you're doing? 
some there are many rich people that put their confidence in their money and which is a false security and they forget that it's God that gave them the ability to become rich and Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So we can't place our trust in wealth or success without acknowledging that God is our provider and our source. Riches can't buy health or a ticket to heaven. You can't pay God to live longer. So Proverbs 11 verse 4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So many rich people place their identities in wealth, but what happens when their riches are taken away? Who are they then? Their worlds fall apart because their identity should have been rooted in the creator and not the creation. And Colossians 3, 2 says it so nicely. It says, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Another example of of an idol could be your achievements. So when we become so good at something or, um, you know, our identities become associated with that success and it defines who we are. We have to work hard to maintain that success, to keep getting that recognition, which feeds our ego. And some people thrive on compliments and recognition that make them feel good. That feeling is such an addiction. And they will do anything to satisfy that desire to be acknowledged. So if we can look at idolatry or, or idols, it's, it's normally a form of self-righteousness, which is rooted in a lie. Now, the enemy will always come and, and, and present things to us. You know, if only, you know, you could be a millionaire, if only, you know, you had that car, if only, you know, you could paint great, then people will respect you. See, everything that we do um, that is motivated um, in self-righteousness is, gain, is again rooted in a lie. So in other words, when we base our success or our achievements in our own abilities or, to or find satisfaction in what the world has to offer instead of God. So the enemy is so subtle, it's just... What he does is he distracts you with worldly things to make you, to give you a, a false sense of identity instead of putting your identity in Christ. So in the world today, there are many obvious sins, but as Christians, we must not be deceived. Sin creeps in subtly and we must be careful. Sometimes we know that we are doing something wrong and we try to justify our sins instead of just turning away from it. And in 1 John 2.16, it says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Therefore, in everything we do, we must acknowledge God. Um, the scripture in Proverbs 3.6-8, it says, In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. 
Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You see, as Christians, our identity is rooted in the fact that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. We were never meant to base our identity on worldly achievements or in the things that we do. We are children of the truth and we know that in our own strength and abilities, we are not even capable of achieving anything on our own. And 2 Corinthians 12 verse 5, it says, I will boast about a I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. And that was Paul. So I believe that we should live a balanced life and everything that we do, nothing in extreme, anything that is too extreme is not good for us. It is not that Lord, as I said, wants us not to be successful or to be good at what we do. In fact, it's quite the opposite. As I said in Proverbs 16, verse 3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. You see, when we work with God, we can't take credit for anything that we do, but all honor and glory is given to Him. And in Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You see, everything that we have, everything that we do, all our talents, all our gifts, everything comes from God. And if we're going to do that to fulfill our own needs, to fulfill our own um, desires without giving God any honor, it's not part of God's heart. Those things become an idol. Anything that we replace with God becomes an idol in our lives. And Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I just want to leave you with that. I want you to think about this year. Think about your goals. Think about the decisions. Think about the things that you've been doing. Sit down, write them down, and just evaluate them. Evaluate why you are doing it. Are you doing it to honor God? What are your, um, what is the outcome that you want to, you know, determine out of the things that you do? And just remember, apart from God, everything we do is meaningless for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I just want to end off with that. And I hope that. It gave you something to think about and just to take this year again into perspective and that you'll make godly decisions and to make those decisions from the heart, not because it looks good on, on the outside and people will go, wow, you know, look at what you're doing, look at what you've accomplished, but to really lay everything that you have, every decision that you need to make every new um, venture that you want to tackle, lay it before the Lord, ask him, seek him. You know, God, is this from you? What do I need to let go of this year? What have I been busy doing that's been draining my energy and draining my strength? And sometimes, you know, God has got something new. It's a new year and it's a new beginning. And sometimes we need to clean up from the inside out. 
And it's not about people. It's about being in right standing with God. That scripture that says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, we need to stand before God one day and give account for everything that we do. And just remember, as I said earlier on, sometimes we can be so busy with the things of God, but we've forgotten about God. Don't forget God. You know, seek Him first. And that scripture, and I'm just repeating it again, seek He first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I would just like to to end off with a prayer for those of you out there. And yeah, and that we will can be coming to the end of this program. So yeah, so let's start. Father God, I just want to praise you and thank you for this opportunity just to speak and and to be your voice, Father. I pray for every listener out there, anyone that needs to make good choices and the right decision, Father, that they will inwardly just just look and and really have a knowing and a sense, Father, that this is what you want to do. I pray that you'll minister to their hearts, that you will touch their hearts in this new year, that you will go before them, Lord, and make the crooked places straight, that you will give them wisdom, that you'll give them guidance um, to what to do, to where to go, that you'll open supernatural doors for them, Lord, and that you will close every door, that is not from you. And Lord, we call out this year, and I want to call out for each and every one of us, as David cried out, create in us a pure heart, O Lord, and a steadfast and renewed spirit. Father, just come and just light that fire inside of our hearts again, that fire to do what is right. And Lord, I know that none of us, Father, we all fall short of your glory. None of us are perfect, Father. We all fail you, God. We we fail you. Sometimes we are so faithless, Father. But your word says, even though um, we don't have faith, you are still faithful. Father, so today, I just want to even pray for those out there who just feel like they've just you've just fallen back you just feel like you know you've just haven't prayed this holiday you feel like you just haven't been in touch with God and I just want to pray father that you will touch them and give them such a desire to spend time in your presence to experience you to feel you once again Lord And so, Father, touch every listener today. And Father, I pray your blessings and your protection over them, your wisdom, your guidance for them for this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to thank you all for listening um, to me today and for joining me. And yes, unfortunately, it's the end of the program. And yeah, so please join me um, next Saturday on Body Matters at five o'clock. And yeah, with great conversation um, with new people that might be coming in this year to chat. And yeah, so just have a blessed week from me, Alana Willie, for you. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. 
please visit kpulpit.co.za.